The recession predictions keep coming. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, the latest, out with his version of what is about to come. But could it be even worse? The CEO of Legacy Precious Metals tells me absolutely. It's 2008 again. We we have homes that are about to be foreclosed on. We have banks that are going to be in a position where they need to start to take in those assets. Today, in a very special episode of The Trish Regan Show, brought to you by Legacy Precious Metals, we all sit down with Charles Thorngren, the CEO of the company. He and I are taking all of your questions. So good to have so many of you here. I encourage you, if you have not signed up for these special events, go over to my website, trishintel.com. I'll make sure you get the next invitation. You can also go to LegacyPMInvestments.com slash Trish, where they too will make sure you get the very next invitation to Charles and me speaking together directly. Directly with all of you. I'm already seeing so many questions come in, but I'm going to kick things off by just laying it out there. Charles, are we heading into recession? We're definitely heading into recession. Uh, I don't think you could find a CEO of any standing um, that would not agree with that statement. Um, and I think you're even seeing the Fed back that up by, by statements they've just made recently. The most recent one is, hey, we think we're going to be able to start to lower rates in 2024. That says they're throwing away all of 2023. So we know what's happening then, increased rates, we're going to have that recession start. And part of the game that the Fed plays to fight recessions, it's a mental game. We're going to see these interest rates go up significantly higher. I think, you know, at one point we were thinking five may be the number, but I think it's going to be higher. I think we're going to be closer to seven when it's all said and done at the end of next year. So when they pull back in 2024, in the summer of 2024, it's going to have the impression of fixing things. They're trying to fix our mindset to believe that things are getting better. And, and it will help with businesses to some degree, the ones that make it through to have a lower rate so that they can borrow to start to build, start to uh, create the things that will pull us out of a recession, jobs and actual products and, and companies that can make money, but it'll take a while. So when we see that, we, we, we speak of the word recession, it's important to know what that's going to mean for us. This is going to be an extended recession. And, and that's been talked about. The Fed's already said it's going to be because they're going to hold those rates higher longer than anyone wants them to. It's great to have so many people people here. Um, I, I want to get to these questions. And Stephen's asking us, he said, I heard today that the recession will be with us definitely through 2024. Any idea how that will play with home purchases, jobs, politics, and other areas? How is this going to play in other nations? So a, a pretty big, broad question there. Thank you, Stephen, for that. I'll, I'll let you uh, tackle, Charles. I love the question, too. I mean, these are the <laughs> questions you really want to get into. It's not, you know, it's not your simple uh, glass of water here. We're talking about uh, a real question. And we'll start by saying this. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. But what I do have is a lot of time researching and experience and, and history as a backdrop. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we look and say, what is this going to mean to us in 2024? Well, we know from a recession standpoint if what mm -hmm. the Fed has said recently is true, right, they can change. There's always hope that they change for the better. There's hope that they change. You know, there's there, there's the chance they change for the worse. But if what they say is true, they'll begin to fight a recession in 2024. Okay, it's not the end of the recession. It's the beginning of the fight to end the recession. That's a very important thing for people to understand. Recessions don't get beat down quickly, and it's not easy. So if we start fighting in 2024, hopefully by the end of 2024, we'll see some rays of hope. Probably not. It probably won't be to your first quarter of 2025 before you begin to feel the effects of a 
a, a blooming economy again. And that depends on the steps that they take. So let's just put a caveat there that it could be sooner, very unlikely. It could be a little longer. It could go into the summer of 2025. It really depends on the steps that they do take. What does our recession mean for the rest of the world? We're a global economy. I mean, we've pushed for this for decades, the global economy. And this is the effect of a global economy. We're either all in with everybody or we stand alone. We've already seen China's facing some new challenges, some new difficulties. Selfishly, of course, I, I'm okay with that because I think that they're going to have a moment of reckoning and it's going to be challenging for them, but you can't just shut an economy down for three years, which is what they've been looking at as a result of all their random shutdowns and this sort of zero COVID policy. So China's now up against a more challenging economic position. Uh, we are certainly up against that position. The entire world is facing this. I mean, Charles, we're going into winter and they're going to actually really insist on those sanctions against Russia. So the European countries that used to get all their oil or their nat gas from Russia, they're not going to be able to get it anymore. We're down in Venezuela trying to find, you know, alternate sources of oil because, hey, let's face it, we haven't been drilling here so much. We haven't wanted to drill here so much. So one would anticipate, again, inflationary effects because oil Thus, gas prices are going to keep going up. I mean, this is a worldwide phenomenon. And I think as, you know, Stephen asked, how is it going to play into 2024? I think in 24, I mean, I want your take. I think people are going to just be exhausted. They do not want such a negative economic environment. And that's going to be, I mean, when we talk about the politics of 2024, I think that's going to play pretty heavy. I know that there was this forecast of, of a major change happening and we didn't see it. But I think two more years of bad economy is definitely going to take its toll. Who, whoever wants that big chair in 2024 is going to have to have a real plan for fixing this economy. I think that if you go back to 2016, it was one of the reasons why Donald Trump was so successful because he came in saying, hey, you know, I have a plan. I've worked in business. So many politicians have never actually worked in business. And so they don't really understand what they're up against. I don't think that the answer is ever to just keep printing money or to say, OK, you know, now we're going to give everybody who uh, went to college 10 or 20 K. I mean, the real answer, if you really wanted to fix it, would be well, let's come up with a system so that the, the universities aren't gouging these kids. But by just having more free money, then everybody's going to continue to get gouged. I want to go to more questions. We have again, Michael, I promise we're going to get to you. I want to do some more broad. And then Michael's got a great question because he wants to know how he can actually get some gold. But uh, the anonymous attendee says we're looking at buying a house this year. But now we're seeing reports that the housing market has dipped for the third straight month. What do you think will happen to the housing market in 2023? Love that question. You might not like the answer, though, Anonymous. <laughs> and the answer is going to pivot around this, right? Because this is the important part you really want to consider when you're buying that house. Are you getting a loan for it or are you paying for it in cash? Because that's truly the ultimate thing that you're, you're asking about. Interest rates are going up. So any loan, that housing payment is going to be more. This is why we're seeing the prices of houses falling. People tend to look at their home and think of it as their monthly payment, not the value of the home. So this is where interest rates hurt people. But this is where it also creates opportunities for those who have more than the basic minimum to put down on the house, right? So that you could finance less. So housing prices will come down. If you're sitting in a cash position, it's a beautiful thing for you. You don't have to worry about playing that inflated uh, interest rate. Um, but even if you get the house and, and it's it's at the value you want, that principle looks good. Just know that when the interest rates drop, when you refinance, 
you'll feel much better about that home because you'll have the principal that you wanted. And you may have to go through a few years of higher monthly payments because of that interest rate, but that should normalize at some point going forward. Now, I can't give you a date because we have to first take the steps to make it normalized but it will happen eventually. I would just add to that my concern that there's no way that people will be able to continue affording as much home, right? In this mm-hmm. in this higher interest rate environment. And you know, the Fed is trying to signal, oh, we didn't really mean that. Now today they're like, no, we really do mean that. It's like, guys, I, I, I'm, I think we're all tired of it. I think we know the direction of interest rates. We know the direction of inflation. And as Americans, we need to know how to prepare for that. And the, the interesting thing, too, is that, that you've got to look at the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar, because when you consider, Charles, what you can buy now versus what you could buy, you know, I don't know, uh, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, it's, it's pretty darn significant. The purchasing power is really what you need to be watching more and more. OK, uh, more questions here. Stephen Van's asking uh, a very good question. I'm going to see if we can open his microphone to join us live. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm looking at this for a long time. Uh, I'm old enough to remember interest rates from, you know, 1980, 1981 kind of time frame. Uh, we've changed the CPI methodology several times now. And uh, there's a 1980 methodology, 1990, and now we have a different methodology factoring in housing and different uh, things that uh, uh, are imputed into the the uh, inflation rate. Uh, using the 1980 methodology, apples to apples, uh, we're still over 15% uh, inflation. And I think people recognize that when they go to the grocery store uh, and they bump their uh, their gas in their car. So the question I have is, uh, you know, looking back at that time, uh, CDs at the end of 1981 were paying 15%. Prime rate, Fed funds rate is around 20. You know, Fed funds rate now is what, uh, four and change? Uh, where do you think this is going to end up? And then the, the real question here is, where do you think um, CDs and bonds and, uh, you know, fixed return kind of investments are going in the coming year? I'll jump in first. Yes. <laughs> the silver lining to all of this is, gosh, you know, who would have thought? Who would have thought you actually might have a chance at getting a bond at a decent you know, return. I, 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 that's the one silver lining, I guess, because my, my parents would talk about how great it was back in the seventies. You know, I'm like, well, I mean, for savers, that is a plus, but you know, there's all kinds of other consequences with that. Uh, Charles, what do you think? You know, it's, it's an amazing thing. And, um, the big thing, and this is what was being said in the late seventies too, just make sure you get that non-callable bond. That's the important part of that. You know, as, as nice as it is to get yourself 12 and 13% on that bond, you want to make sure they can't call it as soon as they drop the rates. So if you're looking, Steve, make sure you look for the ones that are non-callable. It's important. Um, yeah. I, I do think you'll see interest rates go up, but you, you brought up in a very interesting point, um, the CPI methodology. Um, and it's an, it's an important to know. We should be sitting, realistically, we are at around 15, almost 15.5% inflation. And even that number is tricky, right? Because we don't have the Fed countering as hard as we saw it needed to back in the days, okay? So when we were sitting with that Fed rate up in the 10% range to fight that kind of inflation, we're not even close to that. So there's two thoughts that happen there. Is it incompetence? I don't know. Or is it the fact that they know they don't want to pay that interest rate for money to be locked up? So here's a related issue is interest on the federal debt. 
um, we are soon going to be uh, paying more in interest on the debt than we are in national defense. Mm-hmm. And of course, the higher we drive up interest rates, this is just going to spin totally out of control. Yeah. And I'd add to that too, Stephen, too. Just know that, you know, right now we're looking at um, when it's all said and done, we'll be at, at 125% of GDP. Yeah. It's so now, it's isn't? called bankruptcy. Yeah. If you and I did it, that's called bankruptcy. A while ago, that's where Greece was. And everybody thought Greece was totally out of control. Now that's where we are. It's a you great know, point. I, I agree with you guys. I remember you, you saying this, Charles, on, on my show um, just a few months ago. It was a pretty controversial headline, but you said, look, we're bankrupt. And if you measured it by any other metric, I mean, we got the one good thing going for us, right? That we, we're the world's reserve currency. So we get away with a whole lot more. But if you were actually going to look at the fundamentals, and, and I believe that you've got to, we're not in a good position. And Stephen, you're right. We're a lot like Greece. I love your point on, by the way, CPI. Larry Summers, who's not exactly, um, you know, conservative or anything, <laughs> having worked for multiple Democratic administrations, has made the same exact point, that if you use the exact same metrics, we're right back where we were when Volcker came in. And like, let's face it, right? There's no Volcker there right now. I, I, these guys just don't have it in them. It's a bad, bad trajectory. Um, you know, I it think. It takes courage. Uh, that, what's that's that? the problem. It takes courage. You know, Paul Volcker knew that he was not going to be a well-liked man, but he would beat inflation. Uh, and it takes that kind of courage. And, and we don't have that right now. We don't. I mean, I, 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 I'm highly disappointed in Janet Yellen. Highly disappointed in Janet Yellen and the the sort of politicization of her. I'm highly disappointed in Jerome Powell, who I would have thought would have known better. And, you know, their job is is to protect us. And and frankly, I think this administration and this government, because the Fed is not, you know, by the way, that was a, a Trump appointee, Jerome Powell. This team has failed us, just epically failed us. Um, and, and it's why we have to frankly, protect ourselves in this environment. Uh, so great. <laughs> Alphonse, Alphonse is here. I, I know Alphonse because he joins a lot of my YouTube stuff. It's good to see you, sir. And I would love to hear from you. I know we tried to get you in last time and the, and the audio wasn't working. So tell me what's on your mind. Hi there, Trish. You hear me? I do. I do. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, okay. Well, thank you um, to you and uh, your, your, uh, your good friend, Charles, for another stimulating conversation on the economy. Um, you know, I just want to talk to two professionals about what I keep on hearing back and forth about the state of the uh, 401k mm-hmm. uh, savings account for people who are working for companies that give it. Um, I hear voices saying that our 401k is going down the tube. Others saying it's not bad. And then um, I do believe there is a recession coming up uh, next year. And it could last um, two years. So what do you all think about the state of the 401k savings account for Americans? And how is that going to happen? What's going to happen to it next two years? And if it is affected badly, what can people do as a kind of way to maintain their financial stability during that time? I, for one, I'll just tell you, because, you know, I'm 
not a financial advisor. I just have a, a sort of macro look at the world and it's it's a big part of what I do. But I can even say in my own personal life, I became very, very cautious, really within sort of the last eight months. Started to, to feel as though, as Charles just told you, we are going into some treacherous times where we're not going to have a choice but to be seeing higher and higher interest rates. So how that affects equities, in my view, it has meant that you know you can't have a stock market on fire when you've got interest rates rising. It's just never happened before. So in my own personal life, I've been very cautious. And I think once you see fourth quarter earnings come in, and they're going to be, I think, a whole lot less than stellar already, third quarter is like the worst we've seen since 2020 with 95 or 97% of companies having already reported, I think fourth quarter is going to be bad. I just don't understand how everybody can be so optimistic about the equity market. I mean, I'd be much more excited about more stable investments. And hey, you know, our sponsor for this live chat and the reason why it's free and thank you, Charles, (laughs) and to all the folks over at Legacy Precious Metals. I'm not just saying this because I actually have always had gold personally as part of my portfolio. Um, But it's one of those things that I just kind of like having for the long haul because, you know, you never know. That said, I've also looked at other interesting things. I mean, there's savings I-bonds that, you know, are kind of a no-brainer. Last year, they were 9.6%. This year, they're not 96 but they're still way up there. So it's a great way to save for, say, your kid's education. You can take it out tax-free. Bonds in general, but but I think having a diversified portfolio where maybe, you know, you even look at some dividend stocks in this environment. I just don't think you can be out there buying the, you know, the apples of the world and all the big tech companies and think that that's going to be the answer. Charles, what do you think? That was perfect what you said. I'm going to add to it because I just talk too much. Uh, but here we go. <laughs> uh, you know what? Here's a great thing, Alphonse. Um, look, the 401k system is not bad. Let's be really clear about that. The 401k was a gift given to us as Americans who wanted to save. It, it gave us the ability to invest money, not be taxed on it, right? And then not be taxed on it uh, burdensomely when we did trades to make better positions for our portfolio. And then when we retired to get it out and pay smaller taxes because we're now not employed. It's a true gift. Now, the things that's invested in, that's a different subject. The 401k itself is a beautiful thing. I, I advise everyone to take advantage of it. If your company matches, you have to take advantage of it. If you need a little tax write-off, take advantage of it. Just decide where you're going to invest it. That's the important part, right? So when we look at that and we say, okay, what options do I have? A lot of the times your employer has set it up. You don't have very many options. So that may be a question you go to your employer and say, hey, how do I expand what options I have, right? Mm-hmm. Talk to the 401k administrator. We Listen, we're, we're, we're gold and silver. We're not surprising anyone. You should have some. So, so there should be some metals. I mean, that's what it's meant to do. You need to be diversified. You're never going to hear anyone, myself or anyone at Legacy, say, move all your money. Do people want to do it? Yes. Do we tell them to do it? No. But you should have some form of protection, right? But you, you look at this and say, what else can I be in, right? Where's the risk? Real estate seems to be in trouble. The, the equities markets are in trouble. It's true. Find a good um, dividend stock. Basic company. The old blue chips. You know why they're called the blue chips? Because they've earned that title. They've been there longer than you and I, 
right? So you get some of that. That gives you the protection. You have your gold. That gives you a safety net. And even when things are going better, here's what the gold and silver does for you. It allows you to step out with some of the extra money and take a little bit more risk when the time is right because you have your safety net. And, and I'm gonna, here's where I'm bleeding into this next question. I think this next question was from Russ. I kind of cheated and looked. Oh, I didn't realize you could see them. <laughs> I, oh, I found I'm a way. every day. <laughs> I found a way. Uh, he was asking about FTX. What does that do? Cryptos, you know? Here's where people got hammered and got hurt because they didn't diversify. They saw a high flying return. They took all the money they could afford and they put it into it and they lost it all. Gosh, isn't that true? Diversification. If you had your your platform based with gold and silver, you had a safety net. Mm -hmm. Would it hurt to lose all the money you put in cryptos? Yes, but you wouldn't have lost everything. That's the point. That's what no, it's, 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 you know, I can't say that enough either. Um, diversification is critical and then understanding your own risk tolerance, right? So if, if you've got a really long horizon, you're able to dollar cost average into riskier products. If you want to retire in a couple of years, it's, it's a different ball game. And I think people really need to be mindful of that, how much risk they can take on. I've, you know, my, my dad as a kid, I, I can remember long before computers, you know, quotes in the back of the paper <laughs> and my dad had, you know, maybe 17 dividend stocks and. And he said, if I'm going to lose money, I might as well get paid, right? The interest while I'm doing it. And they kind of stuck by those few stocks uh, for years. I mean, they, they still have them. So they're, they are a testament to the whole dividend portfolio. And, and we've got from that. Let's be honest. I mean, it was dividends. It was silver and gold. It was bonds. It was all that stuff. And then I think the year 2000 came along and everybody got kind of heady with all these tech stocks. And and that's, you know, continued to be a big part of people's financial lives. And while sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. And I think we should go back to Russ's question, which is a good one at some point, just because, you know, Bitcoin um, and some of these other cryptos really are in, in some challenging times right now. But before I do that, I want to go over to Richard. Richard, if you want to join us right now, you know, you, you actually are asking a sort of follow on to what we were just talking about, because you're looking to invest in, in gold coins. Join us with your question. Thank you guys so much for this session. I think it's, you know, um, it's really great to hear kind of your advice, your thoughts. And, you know, um, I have some gold coins, but I've never really made a sizable investment. You know, um, how do you figure out what percentage of um, the portfolio uh, I should be putting into gold? That's an interesting question. I've always used the rule of thumb, like zero to 5%, depending on your risk tolerance. But uh, I'm going to let the expert tackle that one because I, I'm just the bystander there. <laughs> zero to five, you know, it's a pretty good number, but we've told people to maybe consider more. And, and I'll tell you why. Zero to five works when everything's mm -hmm. working the way that it should, right? Right now, we're in a situation where we know all the other investments don't have as bright a future as precious metals do. So, so now's the point where we're telling people, you know, think between 10 to 30%. Because here's the great thing. When you diversify with metals, when things do get better, you move money out. You take your profits and you move out. Something now will give you a better opportunity in a shorter term or get you more diversified out again. When we know that tough times are coming and we know that metals are the place to be, we're going to say, maybe you want to move a little bit more. That way you don't have to be concerned anymore. You can say, I know that I have protection. 
I don't have to follow all my stocks every day or I don't have to follow all my bonds or worry about my real estate. I can let this do what it's going to do. And when things get better and we see it in the economy, then I can re, uh, rebalance my portfolio. That, that, that is, a, is a good way of thinking about it. You know, I think that's why it's good for, for people to, to call you guys. Um, you can go to the website and see the phone number. I, I think I actually know this off the top of my head because I've said it on the show. It's one 589 one I mentioned that only because Charles and his team are pretty good guides for all of this and authentic. And I think one of the greatest things, honestly, about you, Charles, and, and why I, I like working with you guys is this isn't a sales thing. It's a, okay, well, how do I make sure that I'm set up for my future? And it's really just to hopefully do the right thing by investors all the time. And nothing's perfect and nothing's guaranteed. But I think I sleep well at night knowing I have a portion of my portfolio in, in gold. I, I know I gave my mom the re- good recommendation, you know, back in the year 2000 when it was trading below $300 an ounce to buy gold over the long haul for my kids one day. It's just a good thing for me to have. I see Scott Schober is joining us. Uh, you got out of your tech holdings. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I think it was it was time because uh, of all the challenges with the current administration. And it just seemed like too risky and and things in the, in the in the real estate investment trust very select ones seem to be doing well not the ones that are paying a whole lot of course it's a little scary um because i don't know how long they'll last but um and, and then as far as crypto i just uh, i would i would run from that there's just too much risk there from all the stuff because i focus more on the, the cyber security side and I, I literally report every single day it's a new crypto an ICO, an exchange, something goes under, and it just seems so risky. Unless you have money that you're willing to throw out the window, I would not consider that unless you're somebody that's in the space day in, day out, and understands the inherent risks of of crypto. And it's not not as much that crypto is bad. It's probably more the, the means that it's stored that you're not fooled, so it's not compromised. So unless you're willing to really understand the background of it. I, I wouldn't say the blockchain's broken or it's insecure or the encryption's insecure. It's really understanding the whole ecosystem. Unless you're willing to spend the time and money to do that, stay away from crypto. Just too risky, that's all. I, I mean, it's a good point. And I think that, look, I got to tell you, like, I love the idea, right? Like, I love the idea. It's in some of the same reasons, that fundamentally, why I, I like gold, right? Because I, I don't like the idea that the government can just come along and manipulate the purchasing power of our dollars, it, it feels so artificial and so wrong. And so I've long been just sort of a, a believer in the philosophy behind this, if you would, with crypto. But I'm also, you know, the realist that says, gee, this is kind of scary and it is uncharted territory. And I certainly don't understand enough of it to be investing. If I did, and I will tell you guys this, do you know yours truly was one of the very first people to ever report on crypto? I mean, this is going way back. I was there live at the time I was working at Bloomberg Television and I dragged my entire crew out on like a Sunday night, rainy Sunday night in New York City because it was the first time they were ever going to take crypto as a currency. They were taking Bitcoin. So it was like Bitcoin for beers. You could buy beers at this local nightclub if you had Bitcoin. And I was like, this is this is history. Like, this is so cool. So we were there. We videoed the whole thing. I talked to the nightclub owner who, by the way, eventually wound up, poor guy, young kid, actually, like 22, in jail 
because the feds were all over him. This was in the very early days of this stuff. So it's a tricky space. And um, I I clearly missed out because I could have gotten it for like a hundred bucks a coin. It was a big deal when it made that. And yet I, I just always said, I love it, but I don't fully understand it. I get gold. Charles, I think you've told me something similar in the past. I think you've said, you know, you you like the idea, but it's still rough around the edges. The platform for cryptocurrencies, the Ethereum platform, the Bitcoin platform, they're brilliant. They have many, many uses. I just don't think they're an investment. Not everything that is good is an investment. There are products out there that are meant to be what they are. This is a great vehicle. It does, I mean, what Ethereum does with the healthcare and the contracts and the movement of patient information, it's incredible, but it doesn't make it an investment. That's the difference. Yeah, now I know. And that's, I mean, look, gold's been around thousands and thousands of years and it's sort of stood the test of time. And I, I think it's got a lot going for it in that, in that way. Hey, Scott, it's really good to see you. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, commentary and and I encourage others you know and we're getting a lot and I see Victor here Johnny Richard it's so good to have all of these these questions here and the comments because this is this is an important time again I I just am amazed it feels like our government continues to make mistake after mistake after mistake I pointed to okay now they're going to do up to a million bucks uh, that they're going to guarantee in loans we already saw in the student loan sector that guaranteeing these loans for all kinds of amounts of money really isn't the best way to go. And yet here we are. Um, David's joining us as well, wondering what the trajectory is. I, I've, right. you know, I, I guess I don't even care. Can I, can I say that? Like, cause I guess I, I'm not looking to, to sell it. I, right. I just want to own it and hold it and know that it's there. I, I do believe at some point it'll be going to 2000, but these are tough things to, to predict, right? It could also go down, but it's one of those things that, you know, if Vladimir Putin does anything stupid or (laughs) the guy over in North Korea does anything stupid or we wind up uh, ourselves doing something stupid, I kind of want it. Your your take, Charles. It's interesting. Forecasting the price of gold. I used to do it years ago, back when you could, back when you knew a couple important things like um, how they're figuring inflation, right? We've known they've changed that number, that CPI number and the the way they, they, uh, they figure it out. That's a different model now. Um, they don't reply money supply anymore. The M3 reporting is gone. We don't actually know how many dollars the, you know, the, the Fed prints. These are important things to really give a accurate uh, reading of where you think the metals might go. Now, you have to do a couple things when you start talking about uh, prognostication, as I call it. I don't call it uh, pricing. Um, I have to consider what people are thinking about when they see these economy and what... Um, your short-term players think, right? What do the ETFs think? Where is the government at? What is the debt at? So there's a lot of variables that go into saying, this is where I think gold goes. So I answer that in two questions. There's two answers to this question, right? And, and the first one is, where is the price going? I think it goes higher. I think we have all of the necessary push to make it go higher. How high, I don't know. But I will tell you this, we have more debt than we've ever had. So if we use just the debt number, we should have the price of gold move to an all-time high. So that would be over 2000 I won't tell you when because it's hard to say when. And when we buy gold, we're not looking for a short-term return anyway. So if it takes a couple of years to get to 2000 that's great. It's doing its job. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, 
than the price of gold and how long it goes up. Let's take a look at this year and say, okay, gold has gone down very little. So the people who have invested in gold have lost less of their money in investments than any other investment out there. That's also important because it's not about getting rich. It's about protecting your, pur- protecting your purchasing power. And not losing in a year like this is a big thing for gold. This is its job. It's true. I mean, when you look at how much the market tanked and then you, you look at gold and you say, okay, well, you know, at least I'm, I'm hanging on. So the purchasing power, it, it, and you're not even looking at purchasing power at that point, but just the purchasing power and then the, the steadiness or evening out some of these tricky times in the portfolio, I think is really important. Um, Michael does want to know uh, if he wants to join us live. Uh, I, I'm, I'm happy to open up his microphone as well. Michael's asking a question, sort of a technical question, but a relevant question right now about buying silver. He wants to know whether or not he could buy silver um, around $2,000. Can I purchase smaller amounts of silver from yes. Legacy around $2,000? So like I said, a very specific question, but important for Michael. And I think... Uh, you, Michael, you can absolutely. probably answer. Absolutely. Call that number. Tell them that <laughs> 1-866-589-0560. There you go. Tell, yeah. tell them that Michael, you, you said Charles, and, and, Charles and Trish, and we said uh, to sell you some silver. <laughs> um, but a lot of people like silver because it's a little bit more um, up and down and, and you know, there's maybe um, more of a way to play it in some ways. Mm. Um, I, again, I, I'm I'm kind of a gold girl myself. I know you like silver though, um, as well, Charles. And we've talked about that and and the value that you see long-term in it. Um, let me go over to Johnny for a moment. So Johnny is, is Mm. trying to, to know if we can recommend any good healthcare stocks. I mean, listen, I think healthcare stocks and healthcare sector is definitely worthwhile. I think, uh, um, in terms of my own sentiment on it, I'm very bullish on the sector in terms of individual stocks. I personally never, I try to never, I mean, sometimes it's really obvious, like, like Twitter, Remember that one? Because I knew enough about the the merger agreement to say, listen, I like Elon. There's no way he's getting out of his price here. Like he's going to have to pay the 5420 whether he likes it or not. So that was one where I did say, even as it sunk, I'm like, listen, this is a buy because this deal is going to have to close. The entire sort of Delaware court system is dependent on it. And they've only... They've only allowed like one company ever out of a deal. Um, and that was for very different circumstances. So I don't usually recommend stocks. I, I don't think you do either, Charles, but um, I wanted to at least thank Johnny for joining and see if he had any other questions too. I, I can't recommend stocks either. Um, mm-hmm. Not because I don't know, but because I legally can't. Oh, um, well, there you go. That, <laughs> it's, probably, it's probably the same for me. You know, right. I, I probably have to be cautious on that too anyway. Because uh, again, I, I reiterate, I'm not a financial care, advisor, though. but- you know, as a journalist, like said, it's always going to be a feel for these things. And I would say as a journalist, I kind of, you know, I, I know in some ways I, I have sort of a sixth sense, if you would, for where we are really heading. Um, and it, it's sometimes a little bit of a curse because sometimes I'm a little too early. I'll tell you, I was so worried ahead of 2008. I was so worried to the point where it was it was. It was occasionally difficult to sleep. And I, I were really worried that our, our economy was going to be going through sort of a 1930s scenario all over again. I worried in the year 2000 that the tech bubble would indeed burst. It did. Um, and I'm a little bit worried now. I'm sleeping okay, but uh, I am I am getting worried right now. Um, you know, look, I, I, 
I want to go back to, to Brian here because Brian has a good question. Again, getting at the the issues surrounding this FTX debacle and whether or not there was corruption or negligence. And I would think there's going to be a lot of questions, Brian, uh, surrounding this in the near future. Go ahead, Brian. Hey. Yeah, it, 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 it seems the whole uh, crypto side of uh, business is fraught with the perils of poor management and poor regulatory oversight. Uh, people are putting billions of dollars at risk, and they seem to be at the mercy of the political winds, whichever way they're blowing. Unfortunately, it doesn't bode well for our economy. I'm afraid that uh, if people blow it the wrong way, it could really throw the whole economy into a, a terrible tailspin, which would be very difficult to recover from once people lose faith in a regulatory powers uh, especially the feds, uh, we're in deep trouble. I'm afraid we're re- we're approaching that very rapidly. I I hate to say that. I don't like to be a doomsday critic. No, Thank but you. you're right in that. Look at look at the lack of trust people have in our political institutions. Certainly in our politicians, for sure. Certainly in Congress, in the White House, of course. And then it, it filters all the way through to the Federal Reserve as well. And I think you're right. Like people are kind of fed up and they they don't trust the system they look at the media right now and and they they say well, what kind of you know story are you spinning here and why is it just you know your way or the highway and some of this twitter stuff with elon musk has brought that very much to the forefront but i think people are are losing that faith brian so you're right on that charles what do you think yeah, I agree. I mean, and I think there's two points that you brought up there, Brian. I, I think the political thing is one thing. I, I think we we as Americans are um, getting fed up with what we're seeing from our, our, our politicians and the regulations and things like that. I think the economy is in trouble. Um, and I think people have a right to be a little worried uh, it, um, without you know trying to be a salesman here. This is why we have these talks so we can show people that there's an option. You know, there is gold and silver. There is ways to get some protection. Um, but the second part of that is, is when we talk about, you know, the cryptocurrencies, it's really important to understand something. We, we've, we've gotten 33-year-old, 34-year-old kids who know how to code, and we've given them billions of dollars and expect them to have the wisdom of a CFO. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You need, if you're going to take this cryptocurrency to that level, you need to have CEOs, CFOs, COOs that actually know what the job entails. You gave a 35-year-old kid billions of dollars discretion over how it was invested and how it was leveraged, and you're confused that he lost money? Come on. you got to have people up to the job. And this is one of my major problems with cryptos. If they had uh, COOs that knew what they were doing, we would all understand them a little bit better. We could maybe invest in them because we would understand what they do. And this is where that's lacking. You have a brand new technology, but you don't have the business acumen to make it an investment. That's the problem. No, it's, it's, it's very astute of you to, to point that out. I, if Ross is still with us, Ross, I, I think it's it's a good time for you to ask that question um, as well. Because, look, one of the, the problems, Charles, with, and we'll let Adam get your microphone going, but one of the problems with um, 
Bitcoin has been obviously the concerns over many of the things that are coming to the forefront right now, but also when you look at gold, people say, well, no, no, I wanted this, this new, you know, this new shiny toy over here. And the new shiny toy, I think, is really failing people in ways that they didn't anticipate. So the question is, do you see a migration into gold? Russ, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, I personally uh, get a little sad when I see the celebrity endorsements from the Tom Brady's of the world, the heroes of the world that are encouraging everybody to be all in on something. And then everything we find out from week to week is just so shocking, right? Of, of the internal mismanagement. So the whole space to me, I feel like is affected by not only the media involvement and push behind FTX, but just that core belief of what, what is tangible, what's real, right? Uh, when we think of money, is it just pie in the sky or is it something tangible that we can hold in our hands? And I feel like it's created this tension and hesitancy in investors for playing in a world where overnight you can just be decimated, right? And so that's, I think... I don't know how it's going to play out long term, but I think that's what's going on in people's minds and their bodies. They can, if you can physically feel something in your hands, it means so much more now because you've been duped. You got you got your hero over there, your Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, telling you to invest in something that goes to zero. So yeah. that's just my personal feeling. And I won't say that you're wrong. It's your feelings. And you're actually, you're quite right. You know, you have a scenario here where um, we have this term influencer. I know no one knew what an influencer was 10 years ago. Um, but now influencers make millions of dollars a year. They don't have a perceivable job per se. Um, they go out and they talk about companies that pay, you know, that, that will pay the money to talk about them. Is it right? Is it wrong? You know, caveat emptor it's hard to say but when it comes to finance that's where there has to be some responsibility you know you have like you said you have these these major sports people these major figures who should have a manager that's saying hey maybe we don't take this endorsement right just because i throw a football good doesn't mean i should tell you where to invest your money and it kind of goes back to like we were just saying just because i can code something doesn't mean i should be running a, a trillion dollar company uh, and, and that's the problem, right? We have this, this, um, this idea now that if someone's famous, they're smart. It's not always true. I've met some famous people. Some of them are not very smart. Um, and I've met some unfamous people that were brilliant, you know? So you have to judge people for the caliber of what they are, know what they are. That's the important part. And, and that goes for any investment too. You have to look at it for what it is and be honest with it. Don't worry about what the return is understand it first and then figure out if it makes sense. Cause that's the important part, knowing what you're doing. I mean, you sound a little bit like Warren Buffett in that sense. And I, I think he always. Nicest thing you've ever said. Clear, right. He's very clear about it. I mean, he's, he's somebody that, um, I mean, listen, uh, I know Warren has gold. He doesn't talk about gold as an investment because he deals in other aspects, but again, it's, that's that basic wisdom, you know, understand what you're doing. Can't get the wool pulled over your eyes if you understand what you're walking into. It's very for important. sure. 
No, I mean, and and that's why, and that's why, that's why I never bought the Bitcoin. <laughs> no, <laughs> I should have back when it was a hundred, but I'm like, oh, I don't really get, I don't fully get it. I appreciate it. I like it. I like the theory of it. I do think there's still a future for cryptos. I just think it's, 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 it's complicated. It's complicated stuff. Um, you know, Michael just is making an observation um, about what's going on overseas. Michael, if you want to join us, because I think it's an important one, what you're talking about, and it it gets at sort of these world issues that we're struggling with right now, right? Because we're in a very challenging spot. We've got a lot of forces at play. We've got a mess in Europe. We've got a mess in Asia. And um, there, there are going to be questions about war crime investigations and all that sort of stuff. Michael, thanks for making the point. But he's, he's just basically saying that there's a lot of global strife and a lot of global questions that are still going to be on the horizon in the near term future. And I, I think that's really pretty relevant. So let me go. Someone anonymous is asking here, is it better to buy gold to store at home? or to put gold into your retirement account. Uh, by the way, hey guys, if you don't know this, this is very, I, I learned this pretty recently. You can actually put a million dollars worth of gold into a shoebox. It's just kind of interesting to know that. Not that one would, you know, have a million dollars worth of gold in a, in a shoebox in one's closet, but maybe some people would. Maybe they want to know it's there and they're safe. Um, how, do, how do the mechanics of this work? I think that's actually very important, Charles, because if you want the stuff physically in your home or in your safe deposit box, you've got to get it there. Or you can have a gold-backed IRA or you can have the gold in the retirement. Walk us through the scenarios if you would. Yeah, and it's it's really an uh, interesting point. And I do want to say, hey, any of you fellows out there who don't like your wife buying so many shoes, <laughs> take one of those shoe boxes and buy a million dollars worth of gold. You'll love her shoe collection. I promise you. <laughs> uh, onto a more serious note, you know, um, you can do all of it, right? Gold in your hand is good. Um, in case we see the worst of scenarios, you, you have it in your hand. It's it's a great asset to have, right? Easy to uh, to barter with it if you need to. Easy to exchange it to carry it with you. You want to go on vacation? You can carry you know thousands of dollars of of gold in your pocket, and no one even questions you. It's really easy. Um, when it comes to the retirement question, here's the question I ask people: Is your retirement safe? That's what you want to decide on, right? This is what you say, I'm going to live on this when I can't work anymore. I want to go on and do all the things that I worked hard to do. I didn't take those vacations then because I wanted to retire in a manner that was a benefit to me. I plan on playing golf every day or I go ride my motorcycle across the country or I'm going to go on these vacations. If that's what that's meant to be, you want to make sure it's protected. And if it's not, you can add gold to that as well. You're not limited to one. I, I, there's people who buy gold to store. There's people who buy gold to have it delivered. And they also buy gold in their retirement account. That's just the way they feel comfortable with it, right? The metals in home, they're going to keep that as an emergency fund. The metals for storage outside the IRA, they're doing shorter term trading with that. And the IRA, that's just long-term protection for their ultimate investment in themselves, retirement. So there's really no right or wrong answer. It depends on you. This is why we say, give somebody a call. Call us. 
We'll walk you through it. And then you can say, aha, I get it. This is what makes sense for me. Because that's the important part. Yeah, it makes I mean, sense it, it is. Everybody's very unique in terms of their their goals, their lifestyle, and what they feel comfortable with. So I, I think it is, it's, it's important to kind of have that conversation with somebody um, one-on-one to figure out whether they want some in their home, whether they want in the safe deposit, whether they want the gold-backed IRA, whether they want it all, right? Um, let me go over to Victor. Victor, if you want to try and ask the question live, uh, give it a shot. Victor is joining us at, with a political question and the economic consequences of it. Yeah, Trish and uh, Charles, thank you for, for this discussion. And I, my question had to do with the Republicans now controlling the House and what can they do on their own to prevent certain areas without shutting down the whole government? Mm-hmm. How selective can they be or do they not have the ability of being selective at all? Well, you know, you know what they say, gridlock is good, right? <laughs> so <laughs> if we're going to look at a silver lining, I, I, I was a little surprised, I'll be honest. I, I thought for sure that the, the GOP would have a bigger, a bigger presence there. I, I thought that they'd be able to pull off the Senate and and even do even better than they did in the House, but it was not to be. And so thus we're in this environment where you've got this push pull, which isn't the worst thing, right? I mean, because I'm just glad that you don't have, for example, um, and I say this with no political bias other than I really don't want taxes going up and I really want to keep growing our economy. And I fear that the policies of the left would put that very much in jeopardy. And thus, I feel um, that it's good not to have a House that's controlled by the Democrats, as well as the Senate, as well as the White House. Right. You, you want that. Um, you want that obstacle, if you would, in their way. So I'm not as scared uh, as I would be had they managed to take the whole shebang, but I'm not as encouraged because I, I, I mean, there's so many things it's, I call it low hanging fruit, Victor. I mean, for goodness sakes, like we got an energy crisis, right? Like why not go out and drill here in the U S why create such a hostile environment for that? I'm not against going to Venezuela even, but Hey, if you could get it here, why not? So there's a lot of that going on where I just think that there's so many opportunities to make improvements and they've missed them. But at least hopefully it doesn't mean they're going to be, you know, having helicopter money all over the place as they would like to. So I don't know how much they'll really get done, but I'm 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 thrilled that they can't get a lot done, if that makes sense, Charles. Yeah, and that's what I was going to allude to. They may not get much done, but they can stop things from happening, which sometimes is the best you can hope for. We're not going to turn around the scenario. Uh, This is where we're at. Um, But thank goodness that we do have the ability to stop ridiculousness from just walking through. We have the ability to stop some of the more crazy things that we could see. So when we look at the scenario... Are are we going to be able to force fixes? No. Republicans are not going to be able to force fixes. The best that we can hope for is a stalemate. But the question I have that's good. The question enough. I have is the question I have is is dealing with they have the power of the purse. So how much can they use that to limit the funding of certain activities? Is it all or nothing? Or can they selectively shut down certain areas that they don't like or not? 
When you say that, I'm curious um, if you would elaborate a little bit more when you say they could shut down certain, I mean, do you mean like the energy sector? Maybe just give us more specifics. Specifically, there there are certain funding that's going on and you've been alluding to it that you don't like. Do they have the ability now that they control the purse, which because they're the house, to, to, to segment those different areas that they don't want to be funded or shut down the whole the whole government. The fear is that it's kind of like, no, it's all or nothing. The media is going to be on your side that you're a villain if you shut down anything. So as a result, don't even touch it. What, what, what can they do? Uh, Gingrich didn't take that approach. He said, let's just do it. Let's just shut it down and, and put the pressure on the president and Clinton will back down what she did. But so what are the rules now in, in that engagement? Um, it, it, and I understand what you're trying to say. I think what, what you're missing here, and, and there's a big difference between having the house and what, 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 uh, Newt did, um, a, a very big difference, right? Uh, Newt's contract with America w- was coming more substantial strength and, and legs behind it. We have the house barely, barely. Let's be real clear about that too. Not everyone in that house may vote our way either. You know, it's not a guarantee that it's going to run party lines. So can we dissect something? The House could, and then the Senate will reject it. It has to go through all the layers. So this is where we say it's really just basically a stalemate. So if if we look at that scenario and say the Senate strongly wants this added, and if, if the House separates that bill and puts another bill up, um, they're going to say, no, you're going to take our original bill or we're going to reject your your revised bill. That's the stalemate. You know, Victor, I mean, in terms of like shutting things down, look, I'd say, you know, hey, we still have a court system. You look at what's happening with these, you want to talk helicopter money, right, to Vassar grads that are philosophy majors that may or may not have finished their degrees. How Um, you feel is very important. We're finding that out now. It's backed by millions and millions of dollars to study it. (laughs) Yeah, right. So, you know, I mean, 10, 20 grand. And, and, you know, what about the kid who was working three jobs or whose parents were really struggling and saving that whole time? It's just not, it's not fair. And so now this is going to the Supreme Court that the president has asked the Supreme Court to take it on. I think that they will probably conclude that it's not legal for him to offer this money. And so I think we should be encouraged that we still have that balance of power and we've got a court system, um, which by the way, is, is mostly conservative now. But I have my, I mean, hey, like how long will that last? I mean, you go down to, uh, go down to Venezuela, you'll, you'll see that Hugo Chavez years ago just said, you know what? I don't like this court. I'm just going to put more justices on it. And you could pack that court. And, and then what happens? And it's a real concern. It, it really is. It, it should never happen. But that has been dangled out there repeatedly. And I don't appreciate it. But I would say we should take heart and we do still have a system where, you know, they can only hopefully uh, go go so far and then you might see some legal interference. Uh, this came up recently. Um, uh, there was a, a, a gentleman um, that, that used to run policy in the Trump administration. He started a, a foundation where they're challenging some of these legal things because, say, for example, when they offer certain groups based on on race, uh, a, an amount of money for, for the farming, right? If you're, if your farming is, is decimated, then you, you can't actually do that because 
that would actually be unconstitutional. And I believe that was reversed. Kamala Harris recently suggested something rather similar for the hurricane in Florida. And so I, I think that there's a lot of things going on that the administration would like to do, but legally they're going to run into challenges. And, and that's why it's important. Look, this is what makes this country great. I will just say this. I mean, you're not going to find anybody more patriotic than me. And as, as hard as times are, um, except maybe Charles, <laughs> but it, it, as hard as times are, I would just say, look, you know, the founding fathers, they got it right. They really got it right. And we've got a system that is set up so that we can have this discourse and we should have this discourse and it should be peacefully resolved. And so I, I still love this country. I think the country will will have you know great times ahead of it. But look, the next few years are going to be kind of dicey. And I don't think there's a, any way to sugarcoat that. What do you think, Charles? I don't think it should be sugarcoated. We're Americans. We know how to fight. And I don't just mean in the physical aspect. We knew how to do that too. But but we know how to fight. We Good things don't always come easy. Sometimes you have to work for them. Sometimes you have to fight for them. Tell us the truth. We'll make the best decision what's right for us as Americans. And we'll get to the good side of things. It's It's never going to be all rainbows and sunshine. Life is not that way. Anyone who has a real life understands that. You know, if you don't live in the meme world, things happen. And we know that. So tell us the truth. Let's find an honest solution to fixing it. And then we'll get there. That, that's my motto. You know, the stronger each American is, the stronger America is. The one the one caveat, and I bet the audience agrees on this, is just that these politicians, this, this crop of politicians that we have got, and I don't know if we should blame the media or social media or for whatever reason, they're just not as authentic as years ago. Not the politics is all ever been a good business right but the 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 focus on the here and now and the tweet and the this and that as opposed to what matters long term and that's why i mean charles you and i have said this this is why everybody needs to take into account what matters to you long term what what do you need long term because i don't i'd like to again we live in a wonderful country but i'm not going to be reliant on this team in washington dc to look out for me or my family i want to know that i can look out for myself and i think that that's why you have to take it into your own hands you have to be vigilant and you have to have diversification and you need to have safety i'll take it even a step further i I, I, we were never meant to rely on the government to do that it's never been the government's job to take care of you and i we take care of ourselves we help those in need because we're good people. The government was never meant to take on the job of taking care of me. They don't know how to do that. It's not their job. So asking them to do something they shouldn't do, you have to expect them to get it wrong. And I do. So that's why I take care of myself. And that's why, you know, people that we talk to, they take care of themselves. If you go back years ago, there was no social security. You took care of yourself. You worked, you saved your money. When it was time to retire, you retired. They didn't have the word retirement. You just quit working because that's kind of what it was. I'm I'm old enough or I have enough money now. I'm not going to work no more. Retirement is a new thing. But we never were meant to count on the government in that aspect. Should should they develop roads for us? Yes. Should they they keep uh, our national defense going? Yes, absolutely. That's what they should be doing. Not worrying about how Charles is going to retire. Let Charles worry about that. That's when it's in the best hands is when it's in my own hands. Yeah, it's so well said. I mean, we are just a a nation of independent thinkers and independent people. If government can do, you know, a few things, keep us, keep us safe and and out of 
major conflicts, keep our communities safe so that we can sleep peacefully at night. If government can help ensure opportunity, I don't think government can ever ensure, you know, perfect outcomes. But that opportunity is what is so critical, right, to the American dream and the American work ethic, which I worry sometimes is is getting lost amid some of the rhetoric that we see. But this is still, and, and I hope always will be, an amazing, amazing place where people do take care of themselves. We have so many questions still, and I just want to say to everyone, thank you for being here. It is wonderful to have you here. Thank you to Charles and the whole team at Legacy Precious Metals for hosting these events, because it's just such a great opportunity opportunity for us to get together and have a real conversation like we can, you know, nowadays. So I encourage all of you uh, to go check them out at LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you uh, have friends that might be interested in participating in these in the future, or if you want to watch what we have just been doing in this live discussion. It will be posted very soon on on certainly my podcast, The Trish Regan Show on Apple iTunes, on Spotify. You'll see it on YouTube and you can go still over to LegacyPMInvestments.com slash Trish. Make sure you sign up so that you will get it delivered to your inbox and you can watch the whole thing. But great to see all of you guys again. Charles, uh, any parting thoughts? If If you want us to continue to do this, just drop a comment. Let Trish know, yeah, you're still interested. We know that everyone wants to talk. We get it. Um, not everyone's like uh, Trish and I. We can just talk for hours. Um, some of you aren't that way. But if you do like this format, let us know. We'll keep doing it if you keep wanting it. And, and if you have questions and you don't want to read, do like Anonymous did. Just put your question in there and then don't answer your mic. We'll get to it, I promise. Good stuff. Good, good advice. Hey, thanks so much. Great to see you all. And we will do this again soon. Take care. Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Again, my thanks to Charles Thorngren of Legacy Precious Metals. I want you to go to LegacyPMInvestments.com right now if you want to know anything more, which you probably do if you've listened to this whole thing, or call 1-866-589-0560. Again, 1-866-589-0560 because Charles and his team can help hook you up and help make sure that you have the proper diversification in your portfolio. And one more shout out before I let you go. You know, I always always, always talk about Rough Greens at roughgreens.com, spelled R-U-F-F, greens.com slash Trish. That's where you need to go to get your free jumpstart trial bag for your puppy or your dog. I always call my dog a puppy because even though he's four years old, well, he's a Maltese, so he kind of looks like a puppy. You know, he's like really, really small, but he will always be my puppy. I adore him. He's wonderful. His name is Fluffy and he's been thriving ever since he started Dr. Dennis Black's Rough Greens. Dr. Black is a naturopathic doctor, former Army Ranger, former Vietnam era helicopter pilot. I mean, the guy's got a phenomenal resume. And right now he is devoting his life. His mission is to make sure that every single dog, as many dogs as he can reach, will have the proper nutrition. So for friends of this program, friends of this show, if you have a dog... If yeah, I hope you do. By the way, if you don't, you really should get one. It is like a total game changer. If you have a dog, you need this supplement because this is what's going to keep your dog healthy and help transform that dead food on grocery store shelves. That by the way, you know what? You can still use, you still give your dog that same old food. But if you sprinkle rough greens 
on top, it totally changes the picture and it gives your dog all the digestive enzymes, the probiotics, all the nutrients, all the vitamins, all the things that your dog needs for a healthy life. So I want you to get that free jumpstart trial bag. All you have to do is pay for shipping by going to roughgreens.com slash Trish, my name, roughgreens, R-U-F-F, greens.com slash Trish today. Get that jumpstart trial bag. See what a difference it makes in your puppy <laughs> or your dog, as I should say. Anyway, great again to have all of you guys here. Don't forget, if you want to be part of one of these next discussions, all you have to do is go to my website, trishintel.com, and sign up for the newsletter. Trish, T-R-I-S-H-I-N-T-E-L, intel.com. Sign up for my newsletter. I'll make sure that you get the invite, the special invite to participate in this free discussion. Lots of rewarding information here, and we'll answer all your questions. Go to Trish Intel, sign up for the newsletter, and we'll see you tomorrow.